Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Premier League Review. A bad day for Manchester United as Liverpool march on 16 points clear at the top of the Premier League table. And to make matters worse, Marcus Rashford out for six weeks, says Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So what does that mean for Manchester United's season? Newcastle United completed a smash and grab against Chelsea and trouble deepened for Bournemouth as they came unstuck against Norwich City despite Steve Cook's best efforts to punch the ball away from the goal. Uh, This is your Premier League review show from Football Social Daily. I'm Niall, alongside me in the studio, we've got Jay Mossy. Hello, Jay. Hi, mate. You okay? I'm fine. We've got David Scott. Hello, David. How you doing, mate? I've got Jack Gorn. Hello, Jack. How's it going? You all right? We're very well, thank you very much. And I suppose there's only one place to start. The big game of the Premier League weekend. All eyes would have been on this fixture from both sides of the M62. Manchester United will have looked to have tried to put a dent in Liverpool's almost inevitable title charge for this season. They're still unbeaten at Anfield. That's 52 games unbeaten now. They've not lost a game in the Premier League this season. But for whatever reason, in these sorts of games, you always feel that Manchester United have got a chance. That chance would have been improved if Marcus Rashford was on the pitch. He wasn't. He's injured. He'll be out for a while. Was that always a concern for you, Jay, knowing that you had to go to Anfield and there was a chance Rashford wasn't going to be fit? Well, I, I, we did a preview before the uh, before the game, and I said because we didn't know whether he was going to be fit or not. I said without Marcus Rashford, I don't think we've got any chance. I said with him, we've got a slim chance. He has, you know, he's been banging in goals for fun. He's become mm. our talisman, almost like our leader. I know he's not officially the captain that's been given to Harry Maguire now, but he is like a leader on there, and especially for these games, he's always up for it. We saw what he did at Old Trafford against Liverpool. He caused them all sorts of problems. Even going back last season when he was injured, when we'd made all three subs and he was hobbling around the pitch at Old Trafford, mm. he was still still causing them problems. So I always felt we had a bit of a puncher's chance with Marcus in the team. Without him, it was going to be very difficult. And I did fear the worst. And after about half an hour um, of watching the game, I felt I thought this is going to be end up a, a cricket score. But I don't feel as bad as perhaps I should do after losing 2-0 to, to Liverpool because we didn't get battered. I know it's not exactly anything to celebrate losing to your rivals 2-0, but there were signs there I thought Fred played well and he's a player that has kicked on when we needed him. Um, That's 17 starts in a row now for Fred, so Solskjaer's showing a bit of yeah. faith in him. And if you, if you want to be really wildly positive and optimistic, then surely 
United have got to go out and buy someone this summer, uh, this January transfer window. Sorry, if Marcus Rashford's now out for the next two months, like what's being said, if not longer, um, we, we we already needed reinforcements with the injuries we've got and the the, the squad that we've got. So now we, we've just got to go out and buy someone. You, you know, we can't carry on this. It's just talking about you're almost looking at writing the season off in January, mm. which is ridiculous. Yeah, no, that's it's it is very much so a ridiculous thing to think of, but it certainly looks like that's the way it's going to be. In terms of the game itself, Jay mentioned it, it probably could have been more, Jack, in terms of the scoreline. Um, but for VAR intervening when David de Gea felt that he was fouled, yeah. certainly made a point of it to the referee, didn't he? Um, there was I'm a couple of goals so chalked off. He was really mad. <laughs> Maybe that was the one positive for United that the players actually looked like they cared. They really mm, gave yeah. the referee a bit of stick after that mm. decision, didn't they? But um, but like like Jay said, it could have been more. Yeah, yeah it could have been yeah. three or four by half yeah. time. Yeah. But the. Yeah. Pro- I mean, the problems they've got is that Fred put himself about, but they've just no midfield at all. They just the way Liverpool play, they just like kind of carving them open through midfield, and it puts so much pressure on Maguire and Lindelof, kind of stem the tide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not an issue for Sunday's game. That, that's a problem with recruitment over the last kind of two or three years, where the squad's so it's lacking in quality, but it's also lacking in quality numbers as well. Um, like Matic had. I mean, Matic went three or four months without playing a game, didn't he? Yeah. And yeah. suddenly he's Expected suddenly straight in. in. <laughs> and and he's played, I don't know how many games on the trot he's played now, but this was someone that Solskjaer had no intention of playing, but now he's, out, he's forced to um, call, up, call on him. This this is the thing with United. It's like we don't want them for a while, and this is the Fernandez thing. We didn't want him in the summer, but but now because we haven't got the players, that's what that's why we're in the market for it. But I agree with you. Like Matic, we were talking about getting rid of him. He was supposed to go back to Chelsea or moving on to other clubs, but now we can't because we're so depleted. Um, in terms of today's performance, though, um, I was mystified as to why Mata didn't start. I'd, I'd, I'd have thought, given the game against Norwich and, and Wolves, and he set two goals up and scored. Pereira, and I, I, I gather it was for the pace. That's why that's that was Solskjaer's thinking, but. I feel sorry for Martial because he's not getting the, he's not getting the balls, the, the through balls for him. And Martial's not a player that plays with the ball to his feet. He, need, he needs to run onto the balls and there's nothing mm. coming over the top or anything like that. Um, if we're clutching at straws for for positives, I thought Luke Shaw was actually pretty decent considering the season he's had or the career he's had at Manchester United. And he was out of position as well. I thought that was that was all right. But it was just... Mm. I think it's the, the thing that hurts me more isn't so much the performance today because like Jay said, he was sort of expecting us not to get a result. Um... 2-0 was all right, considering it could have been a lot more, but just to show how far we've slid and uh, how, how how much they've, they, they've got so much better than yeah. us, it's just so, just so hard. And like you were saying just before we came into the studio, Jay, I mean, records are in sight for Liverpool, aren't they? They've already broken a couple of records this season. Does that make it a harder pill to swallow? You know, I think a lot of United fans have almost resigned themselves to the fact that Liverpool probably will win the league this season, barring an <laughs> unbelievable capitulation, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, which would make the season <laughs> exciting. No, no, if they lose but, the next 16, then... Listen, stranger things have happened, Jay. Stranger things have happened. Mate, but, um, I mean, there are records that are going to be broken. Is that make it extra tough to take as a United fan, knowing that maybe some of these United records are going to tumble in the course of this title parade? Well, I, I said it a few... I think it was probably, probably about two months ago on this show. My real fear and probably my expectation is that they'll do the treble the, the proper treble not a different one the FA Cup and Champions League and and uh, League because I think they are the best team in Europe at the minute I don't think it's a particularly strong group of European clubs sure. teams at the minute mm. I think there's every chance they'll retain that and there's every chance they can win the league and I know Klopp likes to shuffle his pack in, um, in different competitions but I think he's got the, the strength and depth to, to, to win to win pretty much every trophy they're in so that's a real worry and yes records are there to broken and 
they've got that sort of is it 107 or whatever it is six points they could make they could get and it's you know, I mean, that means them winning every single game from now until the end of the season, which is highly unlikely, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility. I mean, they're in such good form. It really is worrying. It's just deflating because you've seen how they've planned for the future and all these plans they've put in place six or five or six years ago are now coming to fruition, while you see our lack of planning over the last six years is now leading to our downfall, where we're at probably our lowest ebb since maybe David Moyes, if not just as bad. Um, and I think, again, clutching at, at straws for positivity, Jack mentioned David De Hay. He's a player I've been quite critical of lately, of late, sorry. Um, but I thought he had one of his best games in a long time today. He kept us in it with a couple of good saves. Um, the VAR one's up for debate. I thought it was a foul and all that Messrs. Sunas and Keane didn't agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to see that fight from De Hay. I want to see him up for it. Um, you know, he's just not lost the captaincy, but the captaincy has been given to Maguire when maybe many people thought it should be given to De Hay. But we need David De Hay playing as well as he can and he hasn't been for a few months but today he was he was back to his best I don't think he's been given the captain's armband since the Newcastle defeat away right. where he um, he did the uh, oh, was, TV stuff after is this when he was critical of, yeah, yeah right. he battered him didn't he yeah. and he's not had the, I don't think he's been captain since then right. that was quite refreshing to see though as a neutral supporter looking on uh, from the outside looking in at a, a, a player like David De Gea who you expect to be almost quite you know, unassuming and inconspicuous in terms of what he says after the game, and then he does go out and sort of batter his teammates, hammer his teammates. But I remember so I was on that after that when I, I was here, and I was actually yeah. critical of him again because I think it's all well and good doing that if you're, say, you're Marcus Rashford banging in goals every week and you're saying, look at the, what I'm surrounded by. But David Hay hasn't been great since I'd say Spurs away last season. I think his form has dipped and he's cost us a lot of games. Now he can get away with that because he's kept us in a lot of games before yeah. that. So I'm not being, you know, silly with that. But you look at, you know, the new camp, Arsenal. Palace, Everton. There's been a lot of games where you've gone, he's at fault there. So mm. he needs to step up and he's done that to be fair against Liverpool. Okay, and what about Liverpool then? You mentioned that there's a possibility in your mind that they might be able to do the treble. Um, but it's, it's hard to say no to that, isn't it, really, when you see you know how well they are playing at this moment in time? Yeah, they were, when we got done by City at Old Trafford the other week, I thought that that was the best performance I've seen against us. But the, the speed and the intensity that, that, that they moved the ball and... Um, just the, the front three, it's, it's, it's really impressive and it's that, that's frustrating thing. You have to admire the work mm-hmm. that Klopp's gone in and done, and done, and done there. Um, but yeah, it is, they are the best team in Europe and you can see that. And the, and the thing is, it's going to come to the point, I think, that Klopp's going to go, do I want to go for the 106 points in the Premier League? Because by and large, he could he could actually, they could win the league by April and then actually rest players for the champ, for the likes of the mm-hmm. Champions League because because they've got strength in depth as well. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, and it's really hard to... to pick out a weak point if you look at what happened to City this weekend the difference at United is like the sorry the difference with Liverpool is, is Van Dijk it's just been a huge talismanic isn't it in terms of what, what it does for that, that team in terms of uh, confidence and if you take out the play like that ilk at com- uh, company at Man City mm. that's why they've sort of fell apart because they haven't got the, the security at the back and um, they're just yeah, they are the where they are because they're the best team in, the, in, the, in Europe at the moment mm. yeah no I don't think there's any arguments there one thing I do notice with Liverpool is is how quickly those I mean, Dave mentions the front three the way that they drop off beyond the halfway line and almost pack themselves back at, as, as an 11 men behind the ball it's just they're saying to teams when they've got the ball come on break us down and then one, they, one, if you can't break through the lines, there's no chance you're going to get to the to the goal, let alone halfway up the pitch. Everyone was saying this about City when um, City got 100 points a couple of years ago. So now what makes what sets them apart from all the other teams? Liverpool work harder than everyone else yeah, as well. Pressure, yeah. yeah. Mm. United don't work nearly as hard as Liverpool do. And they're all kind of behind the manager, all quite 
well, well, really well drilled. Um, and they're all pulling in the same direction, which I don't think 17, 18 teams in the Premier League can say that. Mm. And that, I mean, that is really, it's a basic thing to say, but I think that sets them apart. Mm. No, that's a fair point. I mean, well, Manchester United in, and Marcus Rashford, he's been the player that's sort of been set apart and on his own this season. He's going to be out for six weeks at least, says Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. A double stress fracture in his back, which is uh, not a good sign. But the interesting thing, the concerning thing is that it's sort of coming out now that this has happened before. He's had a, a problem with his back for a while. You mentioned to me before we came on the show, he uses some sort of special machine, Jack, to like help his back regenerate or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. It's like a Mel Melmac or something. Okay. Bone healing device that basically you like put it on the affected area and it's like an ultrasound. Okay. You do it for like 20 minutes, half an hour, I think. So he's obviously been doing that consistently to just manage his own fitness mm. and how, how he's feeling. And it's like going back to what the lads were saying before. If he's going through that and he's having to do that every week after a game just to make himself feel feel okay, then why are they why are they forcing him in, into yeah. playing? Like the Wolves game if we mm. you, you don't have to you well, don't have to bring him on. And uh, well it's said that it, this is a double stress fracture. It said that he actually had a fracture before the Wolves yeah. game and also he's got a piece of floating bone in his ankle which has been there for a while now. Uh, it doesn't need serious surgery, but just a little small bit of surgery to take the bone away just to ease the discomfort and ease the pain. But I heard something interesting you were saying too, David, about, you know, it, it, does he have a right? I mean, Marcus Rashford would do anything for Manchester United. I don't think there's any question there. But is that kind of almost him being the architect of his own downfall? Because if this is a serious, serious injury that he might carry for a long time, it could affect him beyond this season and into the next few years. Yeah, sure. Uh, they just... Uh, they could ruin his career. You don't know. You don't know that. Like it's a small bit of bone now that's floating around, and it's not going to be intrusive surgery. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen two months down the line, or, or or anything, because of the impact of them continually playing them. This the frustrating thing is, is, and I know I'm not going to get Ollie in or Ollie out, but Solskjaer needs to take um, some responsibility for this because why why is he, why is he bringing him on against Wolves? And he talks about the bigger picture about like the future and stuff like that. Why are you running a player, your best player, into the ground? For an FA Cup game that we're not going to, we're not going to win the FA Cup. I, I mean, uh, do you really see us winning the FA Cup? We'll have to get a favourable win. A favourable Portsmouth draw. won it once, didn't they? So you never Portsmouth, know. Yeah. Hey, no. <laughs> 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 but, but we're not. If, if he's talking about, if he's talking about the future and all that, and the young, you need, you need, you need you to know, take care. Do, of do you know players? what, Scotty? I'm with you. And the, the thing for me is, at the time at Wolves, I thought I got it. I thought right, he's brought him on. We need a win. We don't want extra time. We've got the scouts coming up. We don't want to put play in two hours before we go there. But then it's come out that he already carried this injury. And I think you've got to care of duty as a manager. It doesn't mm. matter whether you're a football manager, whether you're managing people in a supermarket or whatever. If they're not well, they're not, they're not fit. You shouldn't be just throwing him in. <laughs> and this is a yeah. young lad who's just turned 22. And it's a vertebrae injury. It's vertebrae. It's, back. it's serious. And at United, and then we always say this, oh, we care about our academy. It's 5,000 yeah. days since we've not dropped a, not had an academy player, whatever it is, 5,000 days, 5,000 games, whatever it is, since we've not had a, since we've not had an academy player in our squad. You know, the Busby Babes, Fergie's Fledgings, all that. It's The sure. academy's special to Manchester United. And we've got one of the best academy products we've ever had. And we're running the poor lad into the ground. And he's in danger of being like Michael Owen or someone like that, mm. who's... Best days are behind him yeah. by the age of 24 or 25. Yeah. And there's a care of duty there. And as, as not a fan, fair on I don't Rashford, like seeing that. No, no, I love Marcus Rashford. I love seeing him mm. score goals Manchester United. But I'd hate to see him 
in two years' time having to give up football or drop down in division because he's just basically been running to the ground trying to carry this team. Can yeah. you imagine going into work and like saying, uh, I can't, I, I HR issue. Oh no, come in, what's up with you? I've got like my vertebrae. No, nah, no, nah, get into work. You've got another, you've got, how many vertebrae have you got? <laughs> yeah, you've got more yeah. than one, you'll be yeah. all right. Got that magic pad on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His job's lifting boxes in a warehouse as well. Yeah. Dodgy oh, backs, you can't do it. Man, come yeah. on. If, if he's like, if he's desperate to play, which presumably he is, and this is why he's doing all this extra stuff. Yeah. If he's desperate to play, and says, I want, I want to play on Saturday, someone needs to put an arm around him and go, well, maybe you're not fit enough and this is how you go, yeah. we're going to manage your games. I don't know whether there's that leadership at United at the moment. Mm, no, I don't think there is. I think you're right. I think there's there's, there's there's two things there. There's lack of that and there's a desperation. Because mm, yeah. if, if we had had, I said I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. If we'd have bought a Howland or someone like that and we didn't need Marcus Rashford as much as we do, then maybe we would drop him, but we, we don't have that player. Our other options are... A, 18-year-old um, who, even though we love Mason Greenwood, is still obviously a few years away from, or maybe at least a year away from being ready for the Premier League week in, week out. Um, Dan James, if you class him as an attacker as well, who many people thought would just be a fringe player this year. I think he's I think he's actually looking tired now yep. as well. Yeah. Um, and Andy Marshall, who, and I love Andy Marshall, but he's not the most consistent player. And you need another option than just one striker or one sort of established attacker. Mm. So... How will yeah, they, and how, there is that, and there's a point as well that we lead us to of not having the okay. We don't want another Jose Mourinho who's going to be strict or whatever or whatever. But you don't want someone who's going to be the other way and just go. Oh, you want to play? Okay, then. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> someone needs to be a bit more in the middle. We say yes, you want to play, and we want you to play. But look at the bigger picture. We need you in April and yeah. May when the the it's sort of, running. Yeah, the running. We need you fit for that. So you can't play for your own good and for the team's good. Take a couple of months off or a month off or whatever. And in the end, we've not done that, and now we've the, the decision has been taken out of our hands, where mm. he's out for six weeks, if not longer. How will that affect United's season? Rashford being out for that period of time, and the I, games they've got coming up, competitions, tournaments. Well, I mean, what's <laughs> I think Scott is already written off the FA which is our best chance yeah, of a trophy, to be honest. But I get where you're coming from. I think we're absolutely screwed. I'll be honest. <laughs> on, 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 we've got two weeks left, and it's just taken us. Two weeks to try and get this Fernandez deal that I don't think is going to happen now, and now we need to buy another player. I just can't. I don't think Woodward's got the competence or the want to spend any money. I think he'd be quite happy to send us into the next four months with Martial and Greenwood. And because, like you, you were saying earlier on, we're not, we haven't got the players to supply the likes of Martial, who is inconsistent at best, without the, you know without it. So, so we're relying on an inconsistent centre-forward and a 19-year-old to take us through. I thought before today, if we would have got a result with Leicester and um, Chelsea dropping points, I, I, the romantic in me, I thought, you know what, we could actually get top four. And now when I look at the injuries... And then, like, reality hits. I think we could fall outside the top six. That's a sad thing as well. Top four, you know, just looking at the table now, five points off it. It's not beyond the realms of possibility if we have the squad. If we were sat here now, five points off top four, Marcus Rashford was fit, we'd have brought in another player in January. And you think, you know what? You know, McTominay was back or whatever. Maybe we've got a chance. But with the injuries we've got and the fact that, you know, in the January transfer window, we've actually let players go. Okay, it's <laughs> Asa Young, so people going, oh, it's Asa Young. But we've got weaker in a January transfer window than we were before it, which is just ridiculous to me. Is there an argument to say United have got weaker in each of the last transfer windows anyway? When you think of what they've sold, I mean, they got rid of Lukaku, who was basically the source of goals. Um, and, and, you know, it's just I'm just thinking that in terms of what they've brought in compared to, compared to what they've uh, let go, is it really on a parallel? Is it well, equal? He, he, but he, Solskjaer was talking about last summer that they needed someone to replace Lukaku before Lukaku went. And then they let him go and didn't sign anyone. <laughs> And they were like scratching around about laugh. Mandzukic on loan or whatever. Yeah. There was it, they, they didn't. There never proactive. seems to be a plan really no. for that sort of thing. I know they did. They did do good business last 
last summer, James started may, well, turn, may turn out to be a kind of a solid performer. Maguire's obviously a good signing, even though they overpaid for him. Um, but yeah, they wanted <laughs> they wanted a replacement for Lukaku before they sold him, but they sold him anyway. And then they're, they're after a guy in Bruno Fernandes now who they were saying in the summer took too many risks in possession and they, they weren't massively keen on him. So if you, if 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 that's your starting point last summer, that he's taking too many risks and you're not going to go for him on that basis, then what's changed in six months? He's just got worse. Yeah. So that's, that's the only thing you can think. I don't think he's massively improved in the numbers of six months. I think so, it's United have sort of levels have dropped to the point where now he's, he'd be great for our team. Solskjaer says, the window is open and it might be that we look at something for the short term. We are not desperately looking. We're looking at numbers and if the right one is there for us, then something might be possible. Very vague from the manager. I, I mean, the thing is, when he does come out and says something, it's pointing out, like when he says something that you think is quite definitive, like we are not going to let this player go until we've replaced him, and it's not to be nonsense, then he's probably thinking right now, I'm going to have to be vague because if I do say, well, we're going to do some business this January, transfer yeah. window because we're desperate or we need reinforcements and it doesn't happen, people are going to make him eat them words. I mean, you, in answer to your question earlier about have we gone weaker, Jack's right, we've strengthened the defence. I think Maguire and Aaron Wan-Bissaka are great signings. But I feel alive for me. Still can't get my head around how we let Ander Herrera go. He was a regular under Oli. I played every game he was fit under Solskjaer and played well, I thought, and just didn't replace him. And it's just, you know, now we're, we're in January, we're still not certain we are going to bring any midfielders in, despite mm. the fact Pogba and McTominay are both out for relatively lengthy periods. Mm. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever from mm. whichever way you look at it. Even if you're not a United fan, I must think, you must think what, what is going on over there. But from a United fan point of view, it's just absolutely deflating. But that's kind of, you're talking about Herrera. So the problem with Herrera wasn't them not signing him in the final months of his contract. It was what they did with Fellaini a year before and gave Fellaini way too much money to sign a new 12-month deal. And then, and then they're all looking in, at that yeah. and going, right, well, if he's getting yeah, I expect. a percentage rise, then that's what I want. Everyone kind of talks about the money that De Gea earns. I think Fellaini was the one that had kind of more of an effect within the squad, really. Even the young thing, like Young, didn't they offer him a contract at the Extent, 11th hour? Extension, yeah. Yeah, he just re- before he, he leaves. He it's reject- like, well, I'm going to minute. He we'll give you a contract. It, yeah. well, that's, mm. And it's embarrassing. Yeah. Mm. You know, and Young's not a player that anyone's going to probably lose too much sleep about leaving. But the fact that... A contract says, right, extension go. at age 34. Yeah, or oh, oh quick, let's try yeah. and throw a bit of money at him. Mm. And he's like, no, nah, I'm all right, I'm going to go to Italy because I think he got a two-year deal with him. Yeah. Over in Milan. So, it just again, it's just like you said, there's no plan. There's no, it's all reactionary. There's no foresight. Yep. We talk about Liverpool and the plan they've had in place and that's coming to fruition. You look at United, it's just reacting to things that happen. Hmm. Oh, we can't get this player out. Let's, you know, let's go and throw a load of money at this or we want this player and they don't want to sell him so we'll just keep throwing money at it. You know, there's no sort of foresight there or strategy. Yeah. And it's just, it's, I don't see how it sends well, if I'm being honest. It just, it's, it's progressively getting more and more chaotic and I don't see how there's going to be a, a happy ending. A week and a half to go of the January transfer window. Will Manchester United bring anyone in to replace the injured Marcus Rashford, who will be out for six weeks? But as for the M62 derby, Liverpool 2, Manchester United 0. OK then, a smash and grab at St James's Park. Newcastle United beat Chelsea by a goal to nil. A lot of Newcastle fans that I'm friends with said uh, they felt that they rode their luck throughout the game, which is, is, is a fair enough comment to make, but... They dug in there. Is Steve Bruce getting the, the plaudits he deserves, Jack? Or do you think that it's very much just he is kind of riding through on the coattails of what Benitez had before? Yeah, it'll still never be Rafa, will he? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 
did their game at Wolves last week, and I was quite impressed with them. I thought they were, um, thought they were good. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of energy in the team. The Longstaffs played at Wolves last week. Obviously, didn't didn't play Saturday, did they? Um, they have got they've got something about them, Newcastle. Um, they try. They try so hard. The the work rate. I mean, you're saying about no one works as hard as Liverpool, but in those Newcastle players. I mean, I saw Almiron as well. Does a lot of running as well. I mean, some of them really do put a proper shift in. Yeah, Almiron. I'd not really watched Almiron properly until last week, and he, yeah, he, he's pops up all over the place, mm, mm. and he's got like this is the difference between Newcastle and some of the other teams down the bottom, is that Almiron Almiron's the sort of player that you don't really know what he's going to do he's quite unpredictable and he'll pop up with something which quite a lot of the other sides down the bottom end of the table don't they don't have that sort of maverick um and you know looking at the looking at the squad and all the injuries they've got they are overperforming i think and bruce's record is better than better than benitez's i think at the same stage of the season I and mean, the newcastle fans i spoke to said that it was almost the lack of a plan so they knew under Rafa what the plan was going to be and there was always sort of a, a plan B in case things didn't go the way that he wanted to during the game. They say that they feel with Steve Bruce now, it's very much, he he's very limited in what he can do as a manager, which is obviously the difference between a man who's won the Champions League and managed some of the top clubs in the world and someone who they picked up from Sheffield Wednesday for compensation. Yeah, he's, there, was that, um, there was that quote from Bruce, I think it was about 10 years ago, where he says, I don't do tactics. Um, and he apparently, <laughs> apparently he was joking in a press conference and he was trying to take the piss out of whoever was asking him the question Yeah, but it's one of those that's in black and white and it will forever live on the internet yeah. have you seen the clip of him giving instructions I think it's Samara where he says and I'm saying I can't, it might not be Samara it's on the touchline and he's saying trying to explain to him where he wants to play and he can say, and he goes like, where do you want me and he just goes wherever like, <laughs> just sort of brushes his hand like you know just wherever and I saw a clip of that like everyone was all the jodies going mad like look at this is the state this is when he first took over <laughs> like his third or fourth game that there the, the was a lack of whereas Benitez obviously would have a whiteboard Board, out yeah, and yeah, like yeah. you're going to stand yeah. there and go there or whatever with Bruce it was like you know just go out and just do whatever Yeah, there was there was the one when um, Willems came on off, off the bench he was obviously a left back and he like wandered into midfield and apparently the whole Newcastle bench were going absolutely mental like what the hell is he doing just because he'd not been the instructions hadn't been clear enough yeah. and he wasn't really sure what he was doing but that said they are they are overperforming and they're clearly they're obviously playing for him mm-hmm. it's not it's not a fluke that they're getting, getting results and defensively they look they look really solid mm, they've got Everton next as well so it'd be interesting to see how they get on against Everton with them both on 29 points Everton 11th Newcastle 12th in the table what about Chelsea I thought that they were over reliant on Tammy Abraham to be honest from what I saw of the game I think they have been for a while Lampard struggled a little bit with results over the Christmas period they're still sort of knocking around the top four they're still in fourth position they've got a five-point cushion uh, between themselves and Manchester United in fifth um, I still think I still think Chelsea are a good bet for the top four this season, but I think they really have a problem with their strikers. They they want to let Giroud go. I don't think Batshuayi is consistent enough, and Tammy Abraham's obviously the goals were going to dry up at some point, and that seems to have happened now. Yeah, I think I think they have been really reliant on on Abraham um, and, and a lot of the young players. That I was expecting Chelsea to dip in the transfer market a lot more uh, this month. And it's uh, into going after uh, Giroud, Giroud as well. Yeah, um, I mean, I think they're gonna—they're definitely gonna let Giroud go. I mean, but from what I've been reading, whether that happens or not, I don't know. But there's plenty of interested parties in Olivier Giroud, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, um, Chelsea have been great. I, I was always interested to see, obviously, with the comparison of United having an ex-player managing them and Chelsea having Frank Lampard go back to Stamford Bridge. 
And I thought he set up and the, the way they play football, because I think they had like 70% possession. They, they were by far the better team, weren't they, against against Newcastle mm. uh, yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd expect them to, 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 to make some signings moving forward, but they'll benefit from how bad everybody else is below them, I think. To that, that, that would be the thing that gets them into the fourth spot. And imagine after this sticky period, they will turn the corner and uh, the goals will start picking up again. Um, yeah, I mean, they're six points away from Leicester in third and Leicester yeah. got beaten at the weekend as well. Uh, Abraham is a, is a good striker and has obviously been picked for, for England by Gareth Southgate with obviously Rashford being injured. We don't know how long that's going to last. We don't know how long Kane's injury is going to last for. The sort of the striker that Southgate's been turning to is Abraham in the absence of Kane. With Danny Ings performing well at Southampton at the moment, Jamie Vardy as well with a, a possibility for him coming out of England retirement. Um, is that the sort of uh, the, someone needs to put their arm around Abraham and go, listen, mate, if you just keep on your form and score every every couple of games, if you can, between now and the end of the season, you will play in the Euros. Yeah, I mean, I, if I was at Sam Abraham, I'd be quite confident I'd at least get in the squad. And I think there yeah. is a possibility that. Is Jamie Vardy going to come out of international retirement? I, I'm not sure he will. Harry Kane is injury. He's had this for a little while now, and he, this could be quite serious. And uh, as you mentioned there, and let's not forget as well, Marcus Rashford, who's been on fire for United, isn't an out-and-out striker yeah. the way that Sam Abraham is. Sam Abraham is as close to a sort of classic number nine that you're probably going to get in a modern game. Yeah. I know he's not quite that classic sort of mm. Alan Shearer type, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's slightly different. So I've, I think Abraham must be thinking, yeah, you know, I've scored, what is it, 13 goals this season in the Premier League. Mm. That that spot should be mine. And I think, you know, he's done his apprenticeship as well. He's been on loan a couple of times. He went to Swansea, he went to Villa. Mm. Tough leagues as well, you know, when he went to Villa, especially in the Championship, did well there. So he's sort of done his bit and he deserves it. He deserves to be given a chance at Chelsea. I think he's only got it sort of by default with the transfer ban they had. Yeah. But he's taken his chance. And I think he's every right to expect to be in the England squad. And yes, he is going to have dips in form. And he is going to be a little bit inconsistent. The way that Chelsea have, especially when you've got a new manager, um, a relatively young squad, a lot of players that hadn't played a lot of games for Chelsea as well before this season started. So you are going to go through that. And it'll be, a, as Scotty and the other one says, uh, it'll be interesting to see how... Lampard copes with it as well because yeah. I always think with Lampard you know Scott was comparing it to well there is that element of unknown I thought he did okay at Derby I don't think he set the world alight I think you know getting was it the playoff final was it the playoff final yeah, he got final. to in there which is I mean Derby always finish around yeah, sixth anyway. which is good and I think points wise <laughs> they, they were very similar to the season before so he did a good job they do play nice football and he has changed the sort of ethos at Chelsea okay maybe it was because he was forced to but he's done it by bringing in the younger players and not just sort of all these superstars like we usually see at Stamford Bridge. So it'll be interesting to see how he copes, though, because he has had a little bit of a patchy, patchy spell. And so, Sorry to keep bringing it back to United, but it's what I know best. When Ole had a rough spell, it went on for months. He just yeah. literally, it was like we went from winning every game to losing every game. I've never seen anything like it. And I'm not saying that's going to happen Lampard. I'll just be, it will be interesting to see how he copes when he's really up against it. Because he had a bit of a sticky time at first, when he first took over, he had a big loss at Old Trafford, they lost to Liverpool in the, the Super Cup, and people were saying, you know, is this going to work? And he stuck to his guns, he stuck with his his, um, his style, and it worked. So it'll be quite, um, I'll, be, I'll be quite curious to see how this pans out, if, if the results are a little bit patchy. Yeah, I mean, I think when I, as well, mentioning about over-reliance on Abraham, I think that's a Chelsea problem, rather than Abraham buckling under the pressure of knowing he has to score, otherwise the Chelsea aren't going to win. I think that's very much a problem that Chelsea need to sort out. And, you know, Dave said that he's surprised they haven't dipped into the January market. I mean, are you along those lines as well, Jack? Yeah, I thought once the ban got lifted, I thought they'd be going right, bang, bang, bang. Here's 80 million, 90 million quid. Sure. Two players. Um... It's interesting. Apparently, Ben Chilwell missed training at Leicester last week. 
he wasn't um, in he wasn't in the and he wasn't in the squad squad for the mm-hmm. game. So yeah. I wonder whether something might be happening with that. But as you said, I think it's more strike uh, strikers are more pressing issue, isn't it? Definitely. Um, and not many of them kind of chip in with that many goals elsewhere, do they? Mount no. doesn't really get that many. No, he's he's definitely hit a low patch of form, Mason mm. Mount, at this moment in time. It's just where they look, and I think Chelsea are in, and Manchester United are in an almost similar vein in the sense that clubs across Europe know they can charge through the nose for players because yeah. of who they are and their, and their stature. And I think that they're they're two very similar clubs in that respect. You'll see Chelsea probably be charged ridiculous amount of money for whatever striker they want, really. Yeah, I completely agree. But uh, the thing is, I think Chelsea are probably more likely pay for them, whereas we'll, <laughs> whereas we'll yeah, haggle. We'll um, but yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see how because Lampard has got a bit of grace because he's not he's not actually dipping into the into the transfer window. And I think that's where Solskjaer does come under the pressure because he has had more of a say over transfers coming in and in and out. But I I, th- I think I'm a strong believe that they'll finish. I think they could finish third to be honest. And if Chilwell if Chilwell goes to uh, Chelsea, it'd be interesting because. Rogers said he no players would leave Leicester then mm. during the January transfer window. So he said he said categorically. Categorically. So, oh. so, so, so you know, get more emphatic than that. Categorically, he was quite firm with that. So if they're going to let Chilwell go to a, to a rival who's looking for who's, who's going for the third and fourth place, that'd be quite interesting to see what happens to Leicester. Mm. Then mm. Well, to be fair, I was at a press conference a few years ago when Rogers was Liverpool manager on deadline day, and he said, uh, "Right lads, don't write this, but Clint Dempsey will be." Through the door by the end of the day, just just so you know, and like waiting, going right, it's nearly eleven o'clock. Right? Clint Dempsey's not not a Liverpool player yet, and lo and behold, ne- they never signed him. So I'm saying categorically, I'm not not, buy- not buying it. <laughs> yeah, I've heard some funny stories about Brendan Rodgers as well. He is an interesting character, isn't he? <laughs> Very much so. We'll talk we'll talk about Leicester a little bit more after this break. This is Football Social Daily, your Premier League review show. So don't go anywhere. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League Review. Welcome back to the Premier League Review Show here from Football Social Daily. The weekend's action wrapped up into one nice little podcast for you. We've spoken about Liverpool 2, Manchester United 0. We've also spoken about Newcastle's last gasp winner against Chelsea. Now we're going to talk about action towards the bottom of the table. Sorry Watford fans if you're listening and Spurs fans for that matter. Because your game was 0-0, I don't think you're going to get much focus on today's show. I do apologise. But if you're a Norwich or Bournemouth fan, you might want to prick your ears up to this one. Norwich beat Bournemouth by a goal to nil, but the main talking point wasn't the fact that Norwich won and got the fourth uh, their fourth league victory of the season it was the fact that Steve Cook for Bournemouth decided to do this ridiculous handball <laughs> which can only be described as goalkeeper-esque of course the centre-back got sent off for his involvement in that um, I don't know where the goalkeeper was at this point in time but Steve Cook felt it, he would take it upon himself to play that role and, and dived full stretch to tip the ball around the post Thinking that, oh, you know, there's not the fact there's VAR or anything like that, that he was going to get away with it. And he ended up getting a red card. He should have done the like the Stephen Taylor thing at Newcastle. Oh, hold, his hold his chest, hold his gun. Go down as if he'd been shot. Gunslinging, yeah. <laughs> it was just, it, it was a great save, but I mean, it was so early in the game, wasn't it? It was 31 minutes he got sent off for that. That's crazy. So early in the game, as you say, I mean, this is a man who's sort of called upon his teammates to lead by example and give the town of Bournemouth something to be proud of in these last sort of five or six months of the season. Um, He's not really leading by example there. This is a man who's worn the captain's armband for Bournemouth on many occasions. Is that just the pressure of Bournemouth being in the bottom three coming up against the yeah, team I guess, you, I guess I suppose when results go against you, you just do mad things, don't you? You yeah. don't, even, don't even think. But I mean, it was like, it was like being down at the park. 
Oh, oh yes, yeah. so something you laugh about in the pub afterwards, but not in the Premier League match against another team in the bottom three. Well, it's, it's, it's desperation, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I'm sure they were listening to the podcast last week and heard about how, how you were slagging them off, and they thought, oh, we've, we've had it now. Maybe they just <laughs> want, maybe they just want their great escape to be even better, so they can go. Oh, you remember that time Steve Cook punched the ball around the post yeah. and he still stayed up? <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, as for Norwich, they managed to win uh, by a goal to nil. Timo Puki scored uh, a penalty. Um, obviously after the fact that Steve Cook uh, punched the ball in the penalty area um, and they won the game and they held out for a 1-0 victory there was also a red card in that game Ben Godfrey got sent off with 15 minutes to go for Norwich does it really mean much Jay the fact that Norwich have won this game does it just drag Bournemouth further into trouble I mean we use the words cut adrift a lot when describing teams that are far away from safety but Norwich certainly do fit that bill they they have looked cut adrift in recent weeks yeah I mean I, I've always said about Norwich that you can admire the way they, they go about things, the way they play football, but it, it does seem doomed to failure. And I don't think they've got the players to play that way in this league, unfortunately mm. for them. And even when, you know, when I've seen them against United and they've been up against it, they don't seem to have a plan B. It just seems to be let's play nice football and try and play our way out of it, uh, which is, you know, again, you can, you know, it's admirable, but I, I do think it's going to be problematic for them to stay up. Yeah, they've got a good result, but, the, you know, a, a good result against a 10 man Bournemouth team who, Bournemouth are in free fall at the minute, aren't they? They can't can't get a, uh, a win for love and the money so it's almost that like you'd expect them to if they were to get a result against anyone it would be Bournemouth mathematically Norwich aren't out of it stranger things have happened this isn't you know this isn't Derby 10 years ago whoever it was or or Swindon many many years ago this is a team that if they got another win they'd be looking at it thinking well you know next week whatever they'd be looking at it thinking we can get out of it mm-hmm. I just don't see it happening if I'm being honest no, I don't neither. I think they almost came into this this season expecting to go down. I, I think they came mm. up from the championship too soon. Yeah, I think they brought they Daniel Fark in with I, a, I like a five-year plan and then yeah, they basically exceeded expectations. They didn't invest much, did they? Really? A million yeah, pounds did. in the summer. Mean, exactly. That's mm. not a club mm. that thinks, oh yeah, you know, we've got a great chance of staying up. And they must have known the levels they were at and the, the, op- the opposition, the competition they were going to face. So I think, yeah, that makes, makes sense to me. And they might have the structure there. They've got some good young players where they go down and they come back up and they do it that way. But I mean... They're not out of it. They, you know, they get a run together. They can they can prove everyone wrong, inclu- including myself. But I wouldn't think that, like I said, a, a win against ten man Bournemouth suddenly means that they've turned a corner and they're going to start marching up the table. Um, Brighton, as who Bournemouth have got next. As for Norwich, they take on Spurs. That's four defeats in a row for Eddie Howe in the Premier League at Bournemouth. They're on twenty points, which is three points from safety at the least, um, not including goal difference. But are there, I mean, Jay used the word free fall. There's no real way to describe it, Jack, is there, apart from that? No, not really. I mean, they're beginning to get players back now. I mean, they've had they had like 11 or 12 injuries. They do have a lot of injuries. Recently. Yeah. Mm. Um, and to good players as well, and ones that they they missed. Um, there's been quite a lot said about Eddie Howe over the last few weeks and whether his time's, his time's come. I just You wonder whether there's enough experience around him. I know he's been a manager for 10 years. But Jason Tindall's is number two, mm. who's like same age, um, and you wonder whether they could, they would benefit from having a an older head next to them, just to kind of Some steer them in the right yeah. direction, or just to have a a different perspective and a new voice. Sure, yeah, and no, I think that's a good point, and. I think, like I say, a lot of the a lot of the people at Bournemouth have been there for so long. I mean, even some of the players have been there since like the League One days. What I just wasn't getting last week when I mentioned it on the podcast was why Eddie Howe never gets any pressure on him. Like them, you know, they've lost four in a row. 
They're on 20 points. They've just lost to Norwich City. Their captain has been sent off in the most ridiculous fashion and no one will ask any questions about Eddie Howe's leadership or whether it's time for a change or anything like that. He is very much concretely set in stone in that football club. No one, even in the press, normally you get a bit of a clamour for managers to be sacked, particularly in the Premier League. No one is asking any questions about Eddie Howe. Has he, has he done that good a job at what is effectively a League One club by keeping him up in the top flight for so many years and four or five seasons now? Has he done enough in that job over the period of time that he's been in the role to warrant the fact that no one can really touch him with a barge pole in terms of criticism? It, it, it's easy to criticise him, but you never see anyone go, oh, Eddie Howe needs to be sacked or they need to seriously make a change because... Any other team has lost this many games in a row. There certainly would be question marks over their position. They've had bad runs in in the recent past as well, and he's got them out of it. Mm. I think he probably deserves. He definitely deserves more more time for his because of his record and what what he's done for the club and and the town. I suppose. What what you say about clamour for him to be sacked? Mm. Basically, no one covers them properly. None of the national newspapers cover Bournemouth properly, so therefore, there's not that kind of scrutiny. Sure, it's not like. It's a, it'd be the same at Norwich. If Farker had, had done exceptionally badly, there wouldn't be that many column inches written about mm. it because no one's there on a day-to-day basis. It's not like if someone, if Pep's doing badly or yeah. Ollie's doing badly, you know about it, don't you? But mm. these these sort of clubs that are a little bit out of the way, it'd be the same at Brighton. If Brighton, yeah. had, I just suppose if I use Watford as an example, it felt much more intense when they were really struggling. And now they're out of it, and obviously they made a change twice this season. So I'm just, I'm just saying, and just suppose I think maybe, maybe is it the fact that Watford's near to London? Yeah, just a London thing. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Um, I think Eddie Howe, like you say, does deserve more time. It's just, you know, like again, it's it's what do they expect as a football club, as fans? You know, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. And their next few games are so important for them. Um, They've got Burnley coming up. They've got Brighton up next. So yeah, that'll be really interesting to see how they get on. As for Watford, um, they've got Aston Villa next. Aston Villa drew uh, 1-1. Uh, they even playing? 1-1 against Brighton. So that's their, that, you know, that's a good result for them, a good point for them. Jack Grealish again showing how good he could be for, for Aston Villa and again putting himself in the thoughts of Gareth Southgate. But let's talk about Crystal Palace uh, against Manchester City. The game finished 2-2. Man City always seem to have a good game against Crystal Palace. It seems the last couple of seasons, Jay, that they've really sort of had top games against them. Yeah, they, 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 they sort of surprised a lot of people, don't they? Including myself. I thought, you know, I look saying this is a coupon buster for me. I thought, oh yeah, City will get the job we'll, done. We'll yeah. Get the job done comfortably. Mm. I know Crystal Palace have got some good players and they've got a, an experienced manager in Roy Hodgson, but I didn't really think. I know you mentioned it that they, they do tend to get these upsets. Last season was that wonder goal wonder from Andrew Townsend, yeah. um, who I picked as a, a player to avoid in my fantasy team. I had to do a fantasy video, and I was like, the one player to avoid this weekend is Andrew Townsend. Um, and then went to school. <laughs> <They're> ridiculous <laughs> hammer volley. Yeah, but I thought, oh, even when like City went behind, I thought, oh, they'll, they'll bounce back now. This is just a, a little blip. But credit to Crystal Palace. You know, they have sort of, in many ways, exceeded expectations. It wasn't long ago on, on this show we were saying we could see the sort of the wheels coming off of them and them, them going down the table, plumbing mm. down the table, mm. and maybe this was a season where they would really struggle. That's not materialised. They've managed to stay in the top half. Yeah. Um, they aren't as reliant on Wilfred Zaha anymore. I think I say that pretty much every week because it's true. Yes. He's not having a great season, yet they're in ninth. So that tells its own story. And there's a belief there. You know, they, they go into places like City. They came to Old Trafford and got got a win as well. Um, got the Etienne and, you know, the, the, the heads don't drop. They think they can they can get a result there. You may argue that's 
because the city's invincibility isn't there anymore and more clubs are thinking like more teams are looking at him and thinking yeah. we can mm. get some out of that which you know he's I'd, I'd agree is true but I think Palace know that they've got enough quality there to give everyone a get anyone a game sorry and they did that so yeah I think it's um, you know it's a good good result for them. obviously a great result for them mm. and, and shows where they're at as well but I mean, in terms of the title, it doesn't really matter because City were never going to win the title. But it just does show that City, and especially John Stones, I think, who I didn't see the game, but was getting a lot of grief from City fans that I know. Not grief, but a lot of question marks. Sure. Which is strange because you think now maybe he'd be the defender that they thought he would be when they bought him. It doesn't seem to be happening for him. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's obviously problems that they've got there. But if anyone's going to sort them out, it'll be Pep Guardiola. Yeah, I mean, listening to reports in the the papers over the last few weeks, John Stones to Arsenal has been touted around. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's much going on there. I think that's just the Arteta factor. I think there. But what about John Stones? Is he? You were at the game, so you yeah. you know sort of better than anyone who who I wouldn't say that. Well, <laughs> as good as anyone in this studio for sure <laughs> about John Stones and his performance against Crystal Palace. Yeah, he struggled again, Stones. Um, and it wasn't really the. I mean, mo- a few of them struggled, and as a unit, a defensive unit, they weren't good enough. Um, but you, Pep's so transparent that you know exactly what he's thinking at all times, and he just he just goes spare at Stones all the time. And there were before half time, there was two or three incidents where he was just visibly having a go at him, and you yeah. could see Stones just shrinking. Was it uncomfortable to watch? Uh. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, um, I, it, it's really difficult because the expectation that Guardiola has for Stones is so high, mm. and there were people at City telling me at the beginning of last season that they genuinely thought he, he could grow into becoming one of the one of the best centre halves in the world. Um, and Pep was obviously mad keen on on signing him in his first. First summer, that was the one bit of business that he really wanted to get done alongside mm. Gundogan. Mm. But I don't know. It's just he's, it's one step forward and two back with Stones, and has been for the last eighteen months. Uh, and it's difficult to put your finger on it, other than confidence. There's always a risk with with players that play that style, particularly at the back. You know, the ball carrying centre half and all that sort of thing. There's always a risk of mistakes. But it's not even that. It's he, he's actually doing that side of his game. He's not doing too badly. It's the basics of defending. Mm. There was one. Uh, on Saturday where he'd gone to press a ball over the halfway line to go and meet Zahar and thought he could get it and he was never ever going to get there and Zahar just turned him round not to ball into um, Tosin and then just got on his bike and was a, within a second was 15 yards ahead of Stones and Palace had completely opened the game up in, mm. in one with one touch really and it's just that and then the the Palace's first goal, he gets caught underneath. Stones got caught underneath a corner, and then he's not the only one to blame because Bernardo and Gundogan were kind of statuesque and weren't weren't watching what was going on properly. Yeah, but it is that just editing kick it football. He's he doesn't seem to be mastering at the moment. I do think sometimes you need to learn or remember that kicking it into Rose Ed is is just as effective. Sometimes yeah. you need to pick and choose your moments, really, don't you, as a defender? Can you imagine Pep being happy with that, though, if a defender did that? He'd want, like, a sweet 30-yard pass down the field, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I do wonder if uh, Stone suffers from the people that he's playing alongside in defence, because I think Fernandinho played yesterday, didn't he, in centre defence? And if Otamende's not getting in the team, I think Otamende can pretty much say that his, his days are over at uh, the Etihad. And Laporte's been out for a while as well. Yeah. So I, I, as a United fan, we, we've had our fair share of 
centre backs being mixed, and it, and you need you need that that confidence comes, doesn't it, from when you've got a solid partnership? So I just I do wonder if 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 his lack of confidence comes from not having a regular someone next to him. Yeah, I, I think it's the chopping and changing as well. They've not, I don't think certainly this season they've not gone to him and said, right, you're our guy. Yeah, go go and play your way into form. They've not given him that opportunity. No, um, and obviously Fernandinho is like learning the role as he goes. He's probably been City's best defender, which. Even on the centre midfield, it says a lot about the rest of them. Yeah, Otamendi will go in the summer. Um, I mean, Laporte might be back um, next week. Yes, which is just like such a well, he, he like, boost for like him. you say, they've not given Stones that you're our guy, but definitely Laporte. You felt that that was that's his role, isn't it? He's always going to play when he's fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in previous years, they've tried to be Guardiola's had to be a bit clever in the bigger games in that. He's played Laporte out at left back at Liverpool away because he thinks he can do it and he's versatile and whatever. I don't think he'll do that anymore. I mm. think it's like you are our main mm. centre half, mm. and it's well, it's one of three that go alongside him, um, mm. and I don't think they're particularly confident with any of them at the moment. How did Jenk Tosin play for Crystal Palace? He scored obviously um, in the in the two two. It's Fernandinho's own goal which ended up making sure the game was a draw. But uh, how were you impressed with him? He's good, like good, good link up play. Uh, held the ball up well. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he kind of plays every week what that means for Jordan Ayew yeah. who had been like at times been carrying Palace this year with his goal I mean he's got I think he's got six Yeah, which Palace don't normally have someone who gets to six <laughs> unless it's Milivojevic from the penalty <laughs> spot then it's not but to- Tosin kind of gives them that focal point to hit yeah. which I don't think they always have because Benteke's not really been at it as he for no and they do don't they obviously don't fancy Benteke do they um and he knows his his movement's quite sharp. Mm. So when Zahar's flying down the wing, Tosin actually can pull defenders different ways, I, which I, they don't. Palace haven't always had. I think he really wants to do well. I think you saw that even even at Everton. He just maybe just wasn't quite right for Everton. Maybe he is for Palace. We'll have to wait and see. But I do think he you can see it in in the way he plays. He he he, do, he is a trier. There's no you know he's not a lazy centre forward. He's not waiting for these opportunities to come his way. He he genuinely is working hard for the team, which is which is good to see. So Manchester City 2, Crystal Palace 2. Um, that still means there's a 16-point gap, though, at the top of the table. Though Manchester City do remain in second place, three points ahead of Leicester. And we'll be talking about Leicester now because they lost 2-1 to Burnley at Turf Moor, a much-needed win for Sean Dyche's Burnley. Um, that could have been five defeats in a row, Dave, if, if Burnley had lost to Leicester. So, you know, Sean Dyche getting points against teams where sometimes they're not expected to get points, but that's just Burnley all over, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think uh, Le- Leicester, I think we mentioned it on the show last week, have been had a massive dip since Christmas. Yeah. And um, mm. I think the big success story out of Burnley this season, um, the last couple of seasons, has been Pope. He's been like a revelation, I think, as in, the goal- yeah. in, in goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, fantastic performance, uh, and I think they'll pretty much be safe now after that win. I don't think anyone expects them to get any results today against Leicester. Um, mm. But yeah, it's just usual Burnley. <laughs> yeah, the usual Burnley. I think that's a good yeah. way of putting it. Really. <laughs> they are funny though. Like they'll go and lose like four or five games, and then just yeah, and then people will start going, oh, or supporters have, have got on Daichi's back quite a lot recently. And then, as you said, it'd just be like yeah. pull something it's out just the random win. Yeah, yeah. But that's what they do, Bernie, isn't it? When you're talking before before about Eddie Howe, but, uh, Sean Dyche does come under pressure though in the press comparatively, and you know, in in terms of size of club and stuff like that. But that, why 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 don't why doesn't you know, Eddie Howe the size of club? I think I I, I think it's geography. Right. I think it's because there's more reporters in the northwest. Would rather go to Burnley than Bournemouth. <laughs> 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 There's better food, I reckon, oh, in the press room yeah. at half time. That's the way it goes. But he did like he'd never 
Deitch's problem is he's never spent money well. Really? Well, they've got a big core of British and Irish players, haven't they? Yeah. And they, they kind of, you know the type. They scored their one of the, you know, their goal against Leicester. One of them was from a set piece. No shock. No surprise. You know what's coming with Burnley. It's the way it is. As for Leicester, you, you know Chilwell. You think that that's a goer then, Jack? Chilwell to Chelsea? I mean, it, it's, it's a tough one to commit to, but certainly... If you look at the facts of him not being in the squad and whatnot, then um, there's a there's a chance. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know whether don't know whether they'll get him this month, but they definitely Chelsea definitely want him. Um, City did do uh, this time last year, but weren't able to get rid of any left backs, so um, went for uh, tried to spend money in other positions instead. Chilwell, I like Chilwell. Um, I'm not sure whether he's going to be worth the sort of money that Chelsea will have to pay for him. You'd, no. you'd expect like Leicester. I mean, Leicester are talking about haggling before in United. Leicester ring every last penny, not, don't they? Yeah, out of they're not quite. I mean, I know this might sound a bit contradictory because they have sold players, but they're not what I would class as a classic selling club in that they need to sell players to keep desperately. Going. Like they do. I know they've sold Kante, they've sold Mares, they've sold Maguire, yeah. but they sell them for good money. They always get yeah, a good they got price, a and they have got owners yeah. that have got money and do care about the club and are willing to invest in the club. So when a player does want to leave, like you know, Maguire or Mahrez, whatever, they, they will sell them. Mm. But they tend to get good money for them. And I think you're right. I think that it'll be the same with Chilwell. If he does go, which yeah. he probably will, then Chelsea going to have to pay pay top whack for him. But, but, I mean, you say top whack is 45 million, the new 10 million of yesteryear. Yeah. I think it might be. I think that's just the way the market's going. Yeah. Um, as for Leicester, I think they've been they've been not been the same since indeed he got injured. I think he's been so important to them. He's kind of gone under the radar a little bit. I think since he got injured... You know that that figure in in the in the midfield there. I think that they've really struggled without him. I think that's just I don't know whether that's coincidence or what, but you know he, he's one of them players where he was an important cog in their wheel. And you know with Vardy being injured over Christmas and out with his uh, missus giving birth to another child and stuff like that, then I think that, that those players being missing in fits and starts has made a difference to them. Yeah, and he's not. I don't think he's back until the middle of February as well. And and he's he's an Avunas <laughs> been linked with a move away. I think is Arsenal mm-hmm. Arsenal linked with. Did they, I haven't mind him at United to be, to be absolutely. I right. mean, the, the, they've got a really strong midfield, haven't they? Last you got Madison, Tillmans, mm. and Dede. Mm. Um, Herrera's playing well at the moment. Yeah. Chowdhury's Chowdhury. coming into form. Yeah, I mean, you know, all those midfielders walking at United team. I know that's not exactly the benchmark of make, making you the best midfielder in the league, or whatever. But they have got a really strong midfield, and I think you're right with Undine. And I think there's always been that element of Leicester where one or two players they have got a strong team, but you take one or two yeah. out, and they're going to suffer from it. Mm. And everyone sort of says, "Oh, it's Vardy and Vardy's goals," but you know, you take someone like maybe it is an Indeedy out of there, and, and all of a sudden, because their form over the last sort of five or six weeks hasn't been great has it no. I mean was it Norwich at home they drew two and then it was lost at City and lost City and Liverpool which back to back over yeah, Christmas like, there's no yeah. shame in that but considering where they were that that sort of scuppered any faint title aspirations <laughs> I don't think anyone really thought they were going to win the title I hoped I hoped <laughs> yeah I, I was praying for it but it wasn't really going to happen but that ended that and then they've not really been able to get back to that pre Norwich draw form that they had yeah. where they were Sort of surprising everyone. So, and obviously, yeah. when when Vardy's not scoring as well, that's obviously going to be. Yeah, huge... I mean, is it Iniacho is the other striker they're relying on, and um... he missed a couple of. He missed a penalty today, and he missed a sitter as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jamie back. Vardy missed a pen as well, like you say. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So they did have their chances. It just wasn't to be for them. They've got West Ham up next, but they still stay in third place in the league. Wolves, they're sixth. They're up to sixth on thirty-four points. They had an incredible comeback against Southampton, uh, and they won the game by three goals to two. A few weeks ago, and we have to, as much as it pains me to say, I have to give credit to them. 
football. I think a lot of us doomed them to relegation to championship football next season, Southampton. And, and the way they've turned it around, spearheaded by Danny Ings up front, is is commendable. So fair play to them. And, and like you say, they would have been on the face of it looking at this score without knowing the details of the game, the context of the game. Losing to Wolves, would there's no real shame in that. I mean, Wolves are a good team. But I mean, it, it, it's just testament to the way that Southampton as well have turned it around in the time period they have over Christmas when the games are really intense and there's a lot of games back-to-back stacking up. To, to do it in that vein at that time is, you know, you've got to give them credit for that, really. Yeah, if there's a, if there's a, if there's a time in the season you want consistency, it's always it's, it's during the Christmas period and we've got them, them games coming in thick and fast because a lot of times that'll dictate how the the, the, the league table's going to end at the end of the season. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was an unfortunate uh, loss considering that they were up. But... Um, yeah, was it was it Long that scored? Yeah, first goal of the season. So yeah, I was I was watching the Danny Ings interview on a football focus, and his revelation like in terms of what what he's done from coming back from injuries. Mm. Yeah, I don't think is he on what is he on this season? Is it fifteen goals or something? Or yeah, maybe in all few, comps, yeah. But yeah, I think he's on eleven in the Premier. Did League, anyone yeah. really see that happening? No. To no. be honest with you, I think it's like say it came out of the blue. Um, a player that obviously had that horrific injury when he was at Liverpool. Um, and I always thought he did okay at Burnley before Liverpool bought him. But I didn't think he was like amazing. Um, didn't really work out from Anfield. Obviously, the injury didn't help. So he's gone to Southampton. You think he's probably going to get nine or ten goals in the season? He's, you know, he's smashing that. Um, I would be. Yes, there's it, no shame in losing to Wolves, but the the nature of that loss, I think Southampton will be wary that it's quite easy to get sucked back into it. They're not sure. out mm-hmm. of the woods yet, so they will. There will be. Um, there will be sort of. Conscious of that, but I think they deserve credit because they stuck with the manager when it would have been easy to get rid of him after the straight after the nine nil nine nil. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have questioned them if they'd have got rid of him. They didn't. They obviously had faith in him, um, and it, you can see why because they've they've gone up the table and they'll be just hoping that this is a a blip rather than anything more worrying. Yeah, and I thought the defending for three of Wolves got all three of Wolves goals was really bad actually. But I'm not just saying that. But you have to give credit to Wolves. Great comeback. Adama Traore somehow doesn't go to the gym and still looks absolutely ripped. I don't know how he manages that. I can't um, believe he said that. Is that can't be true. Face. That can't be true. Surely not. I mean, what? Was he joking? I don't get. I don't know. It looks like. It, Jokes don't really come off in print, do they? No, no. I don't go to the gym, full stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never been to the gym in my life. Uh, he is impressive, though, and, and he is an imposing player. I mean, if someone's running at you at pace, you're going in for a 50-50 with Adama, you're kind of wondering whether you're going to come out on the other side injury-free. Um, he's playing well at the moment. Yeah, he's. I think he's added a final product as well, in that I think in previous years people have looked at him, he's really quick, got a trick, but his final ball wasn't great. Um, didn't kind of record that many assistants, score many goals. But he's got he's beginning to he's beginning to do it every week now, um, as you saw at, at Southampton. But it does I suppose it does help when you've got someone like Jimenez to hit who I think if he if he was playing for a top team, mm. people would be talking about him every week. He's class as a top player. Yeah. Uh, Jimenez and um uh, NATO as well scored for them, so they've got they've got encouragement there, haven't they? Yeah. Um, they've got a decent academy by all accounts as well, um, a, a good leader at the back in Cody. So they've got all the ingredients there, Wolves, to make a, a strong fist of the rest of the season. Yeah. I, I, who did they get the next round of the Europa League? No. I'm not sure. I'm not, I know that, like you say, the academy and and the players they've got and all that, but you know they've always got that sort of. Safety net as well, and this to fall back on the fact they've got lots and lots of money and a connection in Georgia Mendes who can just yeah. get players that <laughs> yeah. uh, other mid-table clubs Espanol, can only but... dream of. So, 
you know, it's not quite the romantic tale of they've got a great academy and they've, they've mm. done really well. It's yes, Nuno deserves a lot of credit, but let's not ignore the fact they've got a billionaire owner and a tied to a Portuguese super agent, which is helping them get players they wouldn't be able to you get. Sound very, you sound very, very bitter. I am very bitter. <laughs> I, I am. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I, you know, Stop watching these players. <laughs> Tearing United apart on a regular basis. I, I, I'm really, I, I love, I love listening to to, to to Nuno talk. Though it's quite inspiring when you when he's, like his match analysis and stuff like. It, it reminds me very, very much of. Uh, you, you liked him for a potential United manager. At one yeah, point, before didn't you? Be, yeah. after Mourinho, yeah. I, I could see him moving on to it's United. Not the craziest but, thing I've heard, to be fair. Um, the fact he used to be a goalkeeper just, I don't know why it baffles me so much. But there's not many managers out there that used to be a keeper. I know Jurgen Klopp was. Uh, was joking the other day that was Jose Mourinho goalkeeper didn't know what position that that Jose was but Nuno Espirito Santo I think played under Mourinho at Porto didn't he when they won the the Champions League um, but yeah there's not many goalkeeper managers I can't think of any off the top of my head apart from Santo not that it means anything it makes absolutely no difference whatsoever but I guess you can kind of always make a point for they do see the game differently it's a different position it's you, you know you get to see the game in terms of defensively, maybe they should be more assured than, than a different type of manager. But yeah, I don't think I can't think of many other. The only other... one I can think of is Kevin Blackwell. Yeah, and I that, don't think that really counts. Does that it? wasn't for long either, was it? <laughs> so yeah, I wonder if there is. If there is, get us, get in touch on Twitter. A little weird one uh, at the Sports Social on Twitter. Let us know any other Premier League goalkeepers that have been managers. Fraser Digby at Swindon was he manager? Or was it Glenn Hoddle at that time? I think wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Hoddle, Hoddle and John Gorman back in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. No, Fraser Digby. Wasn't there. Um, Arsenal won. Sheffield United won. Was a final score. Noah Bamiang for Arsenal after his red card for a, what was a horrific challenge against Crystal Palace last week. Rightly upgraded to a red card, in my opinion. Sheffield United, um, again, just showing how consistent they are, Jay. I mean, a result against Arsenal, who have been not as good as Sheffield United this season. I think it's as simple as that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is as simple as that. And I think you're looking at sort of two almost polar opposite clubs, a club that's defied the odds and done better than most people expected and is just mm. sort of running the right way and has got a manager that everyone believes in and players that all buckle down and fight for each other and, and play football the fans love. And then you've got another club that's just been in chaos. Yeah pretty much for the last week go back further than just this season um, you know obviously Arteta's gone in there and we've said it almost every week when I've been on this show that it's going to take a long time for him to sort that out it's not he's not just going to come in and wave a magic wand and start getting and playing you know wonderful tick-attack of football that wins him every game mm. and I think the, the United think... result flattered to deceive a little bit and it sort of undermined the sort of problems he got there I know they're missing Aubameyang who's obviously their main goal scorer and their talisman so that it was always going to be difficult for them anyway but without sort of being disrespectful for Sheffield United I know they're in good form but you'd still for me expect Arsenal when they go one up against Sheffield United at home to be able to, to hold on to that and to be able to get a result and the fact they can't I think shows you where they're at at the minute I think there's, it's going to be a a long season I think for Arsenal I think Arteta's got his work cut out there and then in the mm. summer he's going to have to spend wisely as well because they do need to replace a lot of these players I just don't think they're up to it Well, Chris Wilder was quite interesting afterwards because he said oh, I thought we could get a result here but I didn't think we could get a result playing that badly, right. which is I think is more of a reflection on Arsenal than it mm. is Sheffield United. Do you think he's, the fact that Arteta is kind of on side with the supporters gives him a bit more grace, more than an yeah, Emery he'll did? Lo- he'll have loads of time, yeah. Mm. Um, and he's a he's he is genuinely a brilliant coach mm. that players. How much of the, how much of the work did he do at City? Was loads, any, yeah, yeah, yeah. Day to day, he did a lot of the a lot of the coaching, which I think. There's a bit of a just going back to City. I think there's a bit of a void now. Arteta's not there um, mm. on a kind of day to day at the training ground, but he's does a lot. He's very astute tactically. Um, he's quite a good communicator. I, I hope I hope he'll 
be a success. Mm. Um, and you would you'd think that he'd be given the time. But I kind of don't know what time is anymore. Yeah, strongest Premier League hairline in the managerial stakes, I think, as well. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. There's a trophy for Arsenal. Yeah. 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 Mick McCarthy looking on with envy. I wish he had a hairline like Mikel Arteta's. Um, as for Arteta, he did say to his Arsenal players, you need to step up to the plate in the absence of Aubameyang. They did find a way to find the back of the net, but you do wonder about them when they don't have their star man, Dave, whether, whether they are going to find the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, they have got players in there that, that, that can score goals, but it's just the, the confidence just seems completely shot throughout the club uh, from, from from the fans to, to the players. Uh, how long is Aubameyang's ban for? Is it another two games? Yeah, it's a three-game ban. But I think they're, they're just probably going to have to grin and bear it and probably end up in the mid-table, I think, until the until the end of the season. But uh, Chris Wilder, um, I've, I've loved what he's done this year because it should, when we talk about people like Pep Guardiola or other managers that are, are Klopp that are more tactical geniuses, Chris Wilder hasn't got that 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 sort of team that's going to play tippy tappy football. No. But it just shows it just shows another side of man, managerial that we don't really talk about. And when we're saying like Steve Bruce just goes or oh, go out and kick there, but he instills a belief in players that have a certain capability, and then will run through walls or will be quite structured and do exactly what you want them to tell them. Sure. And that's what he's getting out of Sheffield United this year, and it's just been fantastic to watch. And, and I don't think he takes any prisoners either. He, no, he looks like the sort of bloke that if you're not pulling your weight, he'll tell you. Yeah. So, I mean, this is quite, it's quite an admirable thing, isn't it, for Chris Wilder to have done what he's done. Long may it continue for Sheffield United. I think the key word I've written down on my on my sheet of paper here is just consistency. I mean, you're waiting for them to lose four or five games in a row. It just hasn't happened yet. So, you're just wondering if that will happen this season. Um, I know they've not been in the greatest form recently. I think um, that's their first win in uh, five was the other day uh when they beat West Ham 1-0 and then obviously they drew with Arsenal at the weekend they got Manchester City next so they've got some tough games coming up but um we'll I'm see looking forward to that on yeah. Tuesday yeah well against I've Manchester went City went to the Arsenal game uh and was at the United game as well at Bramall Lane earlier in the season and it's it, it's just a great place to be when it's a big occasion We'll look at this final game then. Um, sorry, Watford and Spurs fans and Brighton versus Aston Villa as well. We're probably not going to have enough time to focus on that in detail. West Ham won, Everton won. A series of 1-1s this week. Um, I thought Sebastian Allaire had the biggest chance of the game, wasted it, smashed it straight at Pickford's leg. It's a terrible first touch. I think he's a little bit overrated. He's definitely not hit the heights they would have expected him to. I still don't know whether they'll be safe. I mean, it's just it's very much on eggshells at the moment in terms of their Premier League security. Yeah, they like that. They've been like that for a few years, haven't they? I mean, the, the striking thing from West Ham on Saturday with the protest outside the ground um, against the board, mm. which I've not—I know they've—they've they've not been happy with them for for a number of years since since they left Upton Park, but that was like a really organised protest and one you'd not really seen um, certainly to that scale before. Mm. So I'll kind of just want to keep an eye on that. Is something starting to manifest itself, do you think, there? I mean, obviously, they're, they're not happy with the fact of the promises they were made as a football club when they left what the, you know they regard as their spiritual home of, of the Billing Ground, Upton Park, to then move to the London Stadium, change of branding, change of identity, and then you know they find themselves scrapping off relegation. It's, uh, it's understandable why the fans are annoyed. Yeah, and from a football perspective, they're kind of just going around in circles a little bit. Moyes kept them up, didn't he? And then it was, right, well, we don't want... We want attractive football a name yeah a name and then that's not worked and then look you know they're back to square one aren't they 
Was that was that the board who was saying we want attractive football, or was that the West Ham fans? Because I always struggle with that when they always shout about the West Ham way. Yes, like, Ham Academy way, of football, yeah. what, what, we won what, the World what, Cup. What, <laughs> yeah, what the West Ham want? They, they all what the West Ham fans want. They always seem to be protesting. I think when Moyes was in last time, they were having the fights, and mm. when they just first moved in, they were having fights in the stands and stuff like that. What is the West Ham way? Does anyone know? I don't know what they're doing it at the minute, aren't they? They've been on it six in the Premier League. I mean, David Moyes is your manager. (laughs) Yeah. And and standing outside the ground, being angry with the owners. I mean, I get it because you you can level the same criticism at United fans when we complain about the Glazers. People look at us and go, you spent 800 million, what are you moaning about? But if you don't think your club's being run right, then you've got every right to protest. And if you've got David Moyes in for his second spell in three years, that's not exactly the, the sign that you're moving in the right direction. So I can understand it, but I think they've got to be slightly realistic in terms of what they can achieve and where they can go and and at the minute I think you know as you've said they're in the new stadium I know it's been a couple of years but still relatively new they have spent some money not as much as as a lot of other clubs but you know they've spent so I suppose they're only slightly underperforming in many ways and where you'd expect them to be. I think mm. you'd probably expect them to be mid-table-ish mm. and they're just below that. So it's not like it's a complete disaster. I don't know, mate. They're, they're only like three points off um, off, what, off what, three points off Bournemouth or a point off no, Villa, Villa 18 and on 22, West Ham on 23. So they could get sucked into it. Yeah, well, they're already, you can argue they're already getting sucked but, um, into it. I don't think that... There's worse, teams for them. There's worse teams than West Ham though, isn't there, I suppose? What about Everton? There was a lot of trouble there, but they seem to have negotiated through those choppy waters um, recently. Three wins out of their last five games. Obviously, a draw with West Ham isn't the worst result against the team down there. You want to beat them, ideally, but uh, taking a point off of them isn't the, isn't the end of the world. Um, there's been question marks over the way the club's being run, question marks over players. Ancelotti's come in there. Um, it was always going to be tough for him. So, I mean, what, what do we see in terms of the future for Everton? I mean, it's so close down the bottom. It's so hard to say one team's going to get in the relegation zone and one team isn't. It's just one of the one of these seasons where everything's so close. But um, as for as for Everton, can you can you see them continuing a, an upward trajectory under Ancelotti? It's gonna, I think it's gonna happen at some point. Yeah, they'll finish. They'll finish mid-table, won't they? Mm. I mean, the last kind of three or four months of the season will be about planning for next year, I guess, yeah. and doing what you know. Joe was saying about the West Ham way, the Everton way is to spend an absolute <laughs> ton of money in the summer yeah. and then realise that half of them aren't good enough. Someone will, will be answering exactly the same questions this time next year. Yeah, definitely. Do you yeah. think he's? Do you think he's been given a budget? I can't imagine Ancelotti's gone in. He must have gone in with the demands that is what he wants a certain amount of money to spend in the in, in the summer because they need they need quite a lot of reinforcements. Yeah. Like the, the amount of deadwood that they've got there. I know. Well, it was uh, they had um, they had the AGM a couple of weeks ago. I think with the yeah, it was last week. I think to. with um, they've announced that the stadium's been sold for name and rights already. They've announced record club losses. So, yeah, there's this, it's, it's an interesting time to be in Everton. But in sure. that, the supporters were having a go at the um, sporting director for the recruitment. And, that you know, oh, we brought you in and we expect you've got a pedigree mm. and we expect a team to be built. And quite a few of the players that they brought in under him haven't haven't performed. So they're now asking questions of him. It's, mm. quite, it's quite sad as well, just the most keen situation he, I've seen a lot of question marks around him again. I really want him to do and that. I want him to do well I've not got a dog, uh, a dog in this fight I don't, you know, I'm not an Evertonian but just from a sort of objective point of view you know as a young lad who's had a lot of stick been through quite a lot come over here this was going to be like him sort of getting I know it sounds crazy for a 19 year old to be <laughs> reinventing himself but getting his career back on track and it's not really worked out at all um, and you know we, we were hoping or I suppose Everton fans were hoping that well with Ancelotti going in there there's the Italian connection maybe he can he can help out he's, he's still struggling 
And yeah. I think he struggled against West Ham as well. And it's it's sad to see, really, because you'd, you'd want to see it work out for him. Yeah, I really want to see Moise Keane do well. I really do. I think we're all in that camp. Final Premier League table at the end of this weekend's round of fixtures. Liverpool top on 64 points. Second place, Manchester City on 48. So a sizable gap has opened up there between the top two and the table. Wasn't make grim listening for these two shaking their heads at me, but so, I'm only reading the table, lads. It's all your fault. Uh, Leicester City are in third despite their 2-1 loss to Burnley. They're on 45 points and the top four is completed by Chelsea on 39. Next, it's Manchester United in fifth on 34, which is the same amount of points as Wolves are in sixth. Seventh, eighth, ninth, Sheffield United, Tottenham and Crystal Palace. Arsenal are in tenth, Everton are in eleventh. Newcastle up to 12th with their last cast victory over Chelsea. Southampton dropped 13th after losing to Wolves. Burnley, Brighton, West Ham and Watford make up the rest of the bottom half. And the relegation zone comprises Aston Villa on 22 points. Bournemouth on 20 and Norwich City get themselves up to 17 points with their victory. I've been Niall. Thanks very much for listening to the show. Thank you, Jay. Thank Thanks, you, David. Cheers, uh, are you all going to sort of try and smile a little bit more over the next few days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's another game. There's only a couple of days. Yeah, I'm sure. As the old cliche goes. Yeah. When we lose to Burnley, it'll all be... Uh, yeah, Burnley hitting form now Yeah, as well. exactly. <laughs> Taylor made it for... Uh, Chris Wood's 90th yeah. minute header. Yeah, so, Scott was mentioning about Nick Pope being on fire and Burnley keepers love playing against United. Yeah, mm. do. Oh, it's not an easy month to do dry January, oh, is it? This really is like. <laughs> 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 a good point. And what games you got coming up in the pipeline, Jack? You must be at a couple this week. Uh, Sheffield United Tuesday and then Man United Wednesday. And That's then Burn- Burnley Norwich next Saturday, which has a mouthwatering one. Yeah, not going to a Bournemouth game. No Bournemouth. No one covers Bournemouth. Trying to manufacture, manufacture. Yeah, it's echo chamber going on. Like there are mumblings against Eddie, yeah. Eddie Howard. It's all you. Yeah. <laughs> There's not enough pressure on him. I'm starting a one-man Twitter campaign one to get Eddie Howard out. Yeah. yeah, get the pitchforks out. This has been Football Social Daily, the Premier League review show. Thanks for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe. You'll never miss a show again. We'll be back tomorrow with more and throughout the week, of course, with all the reaction to the Premier League fixtures taking place. But that's it for now. We'll speak to you again soon. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.